There is no substitute for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Each weekday on Enjoying the Journey, Scott Pauley leads us in a brief study of Scripture. Today, on the Weekend Pulpit, we are happy to share a full-length Bible message given through Scott's pulpit ministry. These messages were recorded live in a local church or gospel event in recent days. It is our prayer that the message will be a help to you today. I hope you'll pray for me. How many of you have a copy of the Word of God with you this morning? Would you raise it up in the air just a moment? You have a copy of the Bible? Do you love the Bible? You know, one of the dangerous things about Bible college, dangerous, is that if you're not careful, you get acquainted with lots of things about the Bible, but you lose your passion for the Bible. It's dangerous. Frankly, it's not just Bible college, it's ministry. One of the great dangers in the Lord's work is you can start opening this book looking for sermons and things to say to other people and miss the great message from the heart of God to your own heart. And so every year I take a portion of Scripture as my, my passage for the year. Now, this year I took Psalm 119. That's a long passage, isn't it? 176 verses long, all but two of them. Uh, directly reference the Scriptures in some way. They're called different things, statutes, judgments, precepts, and on and on, testimonies. But it's all the Word of God. It is literally the psalm of the Scriptures. It is, if it were a chapter, the longest chapter in the Bible. It's not a chapter. It's a song, literally one of the psalms. But it's all about the Scriptures. Now, what I decided to do every day, I've been taking a different section of Psalm 119. And I've been reading through it, praying through it, and I'm doing something a little different this year I've never done before. I'm writing it. In a journal, I'm writing out the very words of Scripture because I'm finding something. Your mind works when your pencil moves. And so while I'm writing, I'm engaging with the very words of the Word of God, and it's showing me lots of amazing things. Now, I'm saying all of that to tell you why I'm taking you to this portion of Scripture this morning. I am not preaching to you today. I'm preaching to me today and letting you listen. I am literally going to share some things with you this morning from Psalm 119 that the Holy Spirit is using in my life right now with one prayer. Here's the prayer I have for this chapel hour, that when we are done, you will love the Word of God more than ever before. In fact, here's what I believe. If you come to love the Word of God, you come to love the God of the Word, and that's really the objective. It's not about knowing something. It's about knowing someone, and that's the God of the Bible. So with that in mind, I want you to open God's book. Would you open God's book with me this morning? God's revelation of himself. And I want you to find this great psalm, Psalm 119. And you can be grateful I'm not preaching on the whole thing today. And all God's people said, yeah, I knew that would get a hearty amen from some of you. Grant, my son, asked me sometime back, he said, have you ever preached Psalm 119? And I laughed and said, not all at once. But I am preaching through it now. In fact, on the Lord's Day, I was in two different states, and I preached three different sections of Psalm 119. I'm, I'm kind of living in it right now. And it's good for my soul. But the particular section I want to draw to your attention begins in verse number 97. Uh, we read it just a moment ago, but I want you to look at it very carefully now. In fact, let's read the whole section together. It starts in verse 97 and concludes in verse 104. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, has made me wiser than mine enemies. For they are ever with me. 
I have more understanding than all my teachers. There's the life verse of every college freshman right there. I have more understanding than all my teachers. But before you say amen to that verse, let me try to explain it to you in a moment. For thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. If you have a pen handy, you have something to write with near you, I want you to do something. If you mark in your Bible, I want you to circle two words in your Bible, like bookends on the section. In verse number 97, I'd like you to circle the word love. Do you see it? Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Then you come to the end of the section, verse number 104. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I, what's the next word, class? Now, hate every false way. So you start with love and you end with hate. And by the way, both of them are holy. It's a holy love and it's a holy hate. You see, when you get near God and God's heart becomes your heart, you start loving what God loves and hating what God hates. So the idea here is I've learned to love truth. I've learned to love the God of truth. I've learned to love the Word. And immediately, because I've learned to love God and God's Word, God puts in me a holy hatred for everything that contrasts or contradicts that. And the idea here, and I love the divine order of the Word of God. You know, it's a progressive revelation. It builds on itself. There's a beautiful order here. It is only when you love what you ought to love that you learn to hate what you ought to hate. Jonathan Edwards wrote a famous volume called Holy Affections. And the idea behind it, even behind the term, was that when God becomes real to you, when God's Word gets in you, it changes the way you think and it changes the way you feel. It's not just kind of subjective emotions, you know, I'm up and down and in and out and on and off and hot and cold. No, no, no. It is affections that are directed and determined by the Word of God. In other words, your desire, your motives, your love and your hatred is all guarded and guided by the Word of God. And the truth is found really through the whole thing. Turn one page in your Bible. Just come over. Look at verse number 113. And notice what he says. I hate vain thoughts. But thy law do I what? Love. Now turn another page. Look at verse number 163. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. You see, your relationship to the Word of God is what helps you to discern, look please, what you ought to love and what you ought to hate. There's a great contrast here between truth and lies. Uh, I noticed in the song, one of the songs we sang a moment ago, it referenced the belt of truth and us fighting against the lies of the devil. Every lie finds its root in Satan. He is a liar and the father of lies. And every truth, all truth being God's truth, every truth finds its origin and objective in the God of the Bible. So look, if you want to know truth, then you've got to know the Word. 
I heard somebody say the other day in an interview, I just want to speak my truth. Can I give you a good West Virginia theological term for that? Hogwash. There is no such thing as my truth. There is no such thing as your truth. Somebody said, well, that's true for you, but not for me. No, no. There is truth, and that truth is rooted in the God of all truth, and that truth is revealed in the Word of God. George Whitfield, the great preacher of the Great Awakening, said that God condescended to become an author, and most people will never even read the book he wrote. If I said to you, God wrote you a book, he wrote it down. Somebody said, I want to know God. I want to know what I'm supposed to do with my life. All right? God put it in black and white. Yet the stark reality and the sad truth is that there's a whole lot of Christians who know a lot about God, but they are not day by day living in the Word of God and letting the Word of God live in them. That's why Psalm 119 is just taking hold of my soul because it's reminded me of something. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how much education you get. There will never come a time in your life that you do not need to meditate in the wonderful Word of God. In fact, some people have surmised, I don't know this, but some people have the idea that David wrote these 22 sections at different seasons of his life. Maybe that's true. <laughs> I know one thing. At every season of life, you need the Word of God. You remember when you got your first Bible? Or at least, do you remember when you first started getting into the Bible for yourself? I do. I was a teenager, and somebody challenged me to start reading the Bible every day. And I started reading it. I didn't understand all that I was reading. But God started showing me things. Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit starts guiding you in all truth? And it was the most thrilling, exciting thing. It was like an adventure. I was discovering things about God. And, you know, you start sharing them with other people, and they act like it's old hat. They say, yeah, I've seen that a hundred times. But it was so exciting because it had become real to you. I'm going to tell you what happens if you're not careful. You get to a place where you become a professional Christian or a professional Christian worker and your soul gets stale. You know lots of right things to say about God and from the Word of God, but somewhere the joy and the wonder of it all has worn off. I've got good news for you this morning. You might get stale. Maybe right now in the dead of winter, your soul is a little stale, but the God of the Bible is perennially fresh. And if you want your soul renewed, you've got to get back into the Word of God. Yesterday, someone said in my presence something about having a love-hate relationship. How many of you ever heard that term before, love-hate relationship? Well, this is the God-ordained love-hate relationship. You learn to love God through His Word, to have an intimacy, a communion, a fellowship with God Almighty. He's not a million miles away. He is as near as your breath. And you come to know Him and meet Him in the book that God gave to us. And as you do... God changes you from the inside out. Philippians 2 verse 13 says, It is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. God starts turning your affections, your desires, so that you begin to be hungry for that which God wants for you, and things of this world start to be repulsive to you. Why? Because you've discovered the true beauty of God in his word. How many of you know the name Matthew Henry? famous commentator, some woke theologians recently have taken it upon themselves to start criticizing Matthew Henry. And I just laughed when I saw it because their, their little 
excuse me, pipsqueak minds and hearts couldn't hold a candle to that man. The man was a man of the Bible. He knew God. I have his commentaries. Most of you have his commentaries or have referenced them at some point. I don't agree with everything in them. But Matthew Henry was a man of the Scriptures. You know where it all started? It all started in Psalm 119. His father was a godly man. There's a number of children in the household. And his dad decided to do something. It's a true story. You can research it for yourself. In Matthew Henry's home growing up, the children were required to take a different verse from Psalm 119 and memorize it and meditate on it every day. And it changed every day. Now remember, there's 176 verses in Psalm 119, which meant that every year Matthew Henry and all of his siblings went through this psalm verse by verse twice every year. And here's why. Matthew Henry's father told him, Son, if you learn to love Psalm 119, you will learn to love all of Holy Scripture. You know why that is? Because Psalm 119 shows you the riches and the glory of the Word of God. Did you know that, that Ruskin, the famous author, memorized Psalm 119? Did you know that William Wilberforce, the man responsible for stopping the slave trade in England, memorized Psalm 119? Or that missionary Henry Martin, that David Livingston, the great explorer missionary, all of those men memorized Psalm 119? Now, maybe you're going to memorize it. I don't know. That's a lot of memory work. But I know one thing, whether you memorize it or not, you better learn to meditate in it because Psalm 119 is what opens up all the glories of the Word of God. It makes it more than a textbook. Dear Lord, deliver us from carrying Bibles in our hands but failing to hide God's Word in our hearts. We need a love-hate relationship, you say. So let's walk through the section. Shall we do that? Let's start right where he begins in verse 97. Oh, that's a good word. Would you define the word oh for me? What does old mean, please? I need all the, the English grammar teachers to please tell us, what does old mean? It's a word that defies definition. You know what old is? Old is more of a groan than a word. You know what it is? It's an expression of the heart. Oh, this is good. Look, please, you've got to get on the heart level with the Word of God. The Puritans used to say there were levels in Scripture. You could read it in, in the grammatical sense. You could read it in the historical sense. And by the way, you should do all of that. But they said there was a, a certain devotional level, a heart level that it was necessary. The psalmist understood that. Look at it. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Would you write this down somewhere? Number one, he shows us in this section the meditation on the Word of God. He repeats the word at the end of verse 99. For thy testimonies are my meditation. It's the key to real wisdom and understanding. It goes beyond just mental comprehension. I'm sure there's a lot of great minds in this room. But I'm not trying just to appeal to your mind this morning. I'm trying to appeal to your heart. The Word of God is more than information. The Word of God is revelation. I'm going to tell you who some of the most arrogant people on earth are. They're the people that ace every test, never have to study. They're the people that know that already. They're the people that win Bible trivia every time they play. And you know why? They know that already. Paul said a word about that. He said, knowledge puffeth up. And sometimes we can get so full of ourselves and so full of what we know about the Bible that we miss the whole point, and it is this. God wants you to do more than just read it or even study it. God wants you to meditate on it. What does that mean? When I say, let's meditate, you know, we've even lost the meaning of the word meditate. 
I say meditate, and immediately half of you see some little guy sitting cross-legged on a rug going, hum. Well, that's not meditation. That's Eastern meditation. We're not talking about Eastern meditation. We're talking about biblical meditation. Somebody said, what's the difference in the two? Eastern meditation says, empty your mind, empty your mind. Most of us don't have to work too hard at that. Biblical meditation does the exact opposite. What does it mean? It means fill your mind with the Word of God. There are two Hebrew words for meditate. One of them means to muse, literally to think. Be like the psalmist saying, Selah. Pause. Think about this for a second. That's good. By the way, the word muse is the exact opposite of the word amuse. Muse means to think. Amuse means not to think. We've We've come to a place where screens have taught us not to think, and because of that, we're neglecting the thinking we ought to be doing in the Word of God. But there's another word, another Hebrew word for meditate, and this is interesting. It, to me, it's the key to understanding Bible meditation. It does not mean to muse. It means, wait for it, to mutter, literally to murmur. If I said somebody's muttering, somebody's murmuring, immediately we get a negative connotation. It depends on what you're talking about. and It depends on what you're saying. You can murmur and fuss and be aggravated and annoyed about things, and maybe you've been that way already today. Or you can learn with your mouth to rehearse the truth of the Word of God. This changed my devotional life, literally changed my devotional life. And for years, I would read my Bible. I'd really try to concentrate really hard, try to get something out of it. And I thought, well, that's meditation. That's a part of meditation, but that's not all of it. In fact, that's not the depth of meditation. I started studying my Bible, and I discovered something. Did you know that very often in Scripture, God connects meditation not to your mind, but to your mouth? Let me prove it. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt what? Hmm. So if I'm going to meditate, I've got to use my Mouth, and something that dawned on me, remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. God connects the mouth and the heart. We know that whatever you're thinking about, you talk about. But it's also true, this is really deep, you ready? Whatever you talk about, you have to think about. And so when you're using your mouth, when you're talking the Scriptures, guess what God is doing? God is putting them deeper and deeper and deeper into your soul. Every day of my life. I try to do more than read a section of the Bible. I did this this morning with a section of Psalm 119, a different section. I try to pray my way through the passage. Every day that looks a little different depending on the passage. But I literally take the very words of God and I turn them back to God in prayer. I talk to the author. That's what I do. It's amazing what the author will show you when you start talking to it. And so I'm using my mouth. During the day, I may share with somebody else something that God taught me that day. Is it for them? Yes, it's for them, but it's not just for them. It's for me. God works on both ends. For example, how many of you have ever taught a Bible lesson or preached a sermon? Would you raise your hand, please? Have you ever had this experience? While you're speaking, God gives you something that you had not planned to say. How many of you ever had that happen? In fact, sometimes while I'm preaching or teaching the Bible, God will open something to me in the Bible, and I think, how did I miss that all week long? It's right there. It may even be the greatest thing there. And suddenly God opens it up. May I tell you why? Because even while you're speaking, you are meditating. You're not just sharing your previous meditations. You're thinking. You're engaged with the passage. Look, you want to love the Bible? I'll tell you how to love the Bible. Do more than read a verse of it every day. Do more than just say, well, I, I checked that box today. No, no. 
Begin to engage with the Word of God and meditate on it. And when you do, I'm going to tell you what God will do. God will take you to a whole new dimension in your devotional life. See, there's a difference between having devotions and having a devotional life. Devotions is giving God 10 minutes in the morning. And we congratulate ourselves and say, got that done for the day. Let me just tell you, that is not walking with God. A devotional life is me entering into the Word in the morning and letting it enter into me with the objective that all day long I'm going to walk in the Word. All day long I'm going to engage in the Word and the Word of God is going to speak to me and the God of the Word is going to commune with me at every step of that day. Why? Because I'm learning to meditate on the Word. Look at the verses with me just a second. Look at verse 97. Here's the depth of meditation. Oh, how love I thy law. It's heart deep. How about this? It is my meditation all the day. Here's the length of meditation. When should you meditate? All day long. What are you thinking about? I mean, right now, what are you thinking about? If I paused, <clears throat> stopped speaking, and we all just sat here quietly for a moment, where would your mind run? Because that reveals your meditation. I keep reading. Here's another dimension. Look at verse 98. Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. Here's the breadth of meditation. God says the word will help you deal with every enemy. No matter which direction they're coming from, God will help you. The battle's not going away, young people. Look at me just a minute. The battle will not go away. In fact, it's going to intensify. If you have the idea when you get out of Bible college and get your position somewhere, it's going to be smooth sailing. I'm just going to tell you something. You are going to the front lines, and the only resource you have, but blessed God, all that you need is found in the all-sufficient Word of God. And that's not all. Look at the height of meditation. He says in verse 99, I have more understanding than my teachers. Verse 100, I have more understanding than the ancients. And he lists us to the height. Do you see the depth and length and breadth and height of meditation? It's, it's a whole new dimension of walking with God in His Word. And the question is, what does that mean, more understanding than my teachers? <laughs> May I speak as a teacher for a moment? <clears throat> for nearly 20 years, I stood in classrooms on a campus like this and taught the Bible. And I loved it. Can I tell you the heart of a teacher? The heart of a teacher is this. The teacher not only wants you to learn what he or she has learned, the teacher wants you to go to a whole nother level. The right kind of teacher wants you to do more than just grow to where they are. They want you to get so hungry that you go beyond the lessons, beyond the lectures, beyond them to the depth and the riches of what God has for you. And this passage is not about being arrogant. It's not about pride. I know more than the teacher. I, I know more than the ancients. That's not the tone. That. In fact, that's the exact opposite of the heart of a real student. The heart of a real student is, I've not yet apprehended. Lord, teach me. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. I, I'm not there yet, Lord. So what is it talking about? Watch, please. It means the truth has become personal to you. It's more than notes on a piece of paper. Listen to me. You can have a head full of knowledge and a page full of notes and a heart empty of God. God says, I want you to go beyond your teachers. See, the teachers will be gone, but the truth will remain. You know what college is? Look, I've got two kids in college right now. You know what college is? It's a parenthesis. It does not last forever. And all God's students said amen to that. It doesn't last forever. But watch, please. There will come a day you don't walk onto this campus. There will come a day you do not walk these halls. There will come a day you do not sit in these seats. There will come a day 
that these teachers are not speaking in your ear. But there should never be a day that the Word of God is not teaching you and guiding you and you are not growing in your personal faith in Jesus Christ. And so what are we learning? The meditation on the Word. Let me show you a second truth. Keep reading. Look at verse number 101. I have refrained my feet from every evil way. I've circled in verse 101 every evil way and verse 104 every false way and connected the two in my Bible. Everything that is false is evil. By the way, we're living in a world where there's a lot of false ways. Can we agree on that? There's a lot of deceit, a lot of guile, a lot of lies stirring right now. You know why that is? Watch this. Because when you believe one lie, pretty soon you'll believe another. And when you reject truth, after a while you believe all the lies. Light rejected always brings darkness. You know what this world is full of? Every false way. Things built on a lie and things that fight against the God of truth. And the only thing that will combat that is the word of the living God. So go back to verse number 101. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. Would you write this down, a second truth? We, we see here in this love-hate relationship not only the meditation on the word, but secondly, the direction of the word. Do you see the directional words here? He's going to change the direction of your feet. He's going to put you on a different path. <clears throat> He's going to adjust the way that you're walking. In fact, look at those two verses just for a moment. There's a way that it keeps you from. That's every evil way. And then there's a way that it keeps you on. What's that? That's God's way. God's judgment's the right way. A little over six years ago, God stirred me up. He stirred my nest. I don't know any other way to say it. I'd been serving in a wonderful church in college. It was all our family knew. All my kids had ever known. Thought I was going to be there the rest of my life. And the Holy Spirit said, nope, you're leaving here. You know what I did? I argued with the Holy Spirit. Let me just testify. You can't win that argument. I tried to convince God why I should stay right there and just keep doing what I was doing because it was a good work. And the Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to step out by faith and go into evangelism. Scared me to death. My my wife and I took a day every week, fasted and prayed for weeks. I remember that. Trying to find the mind of God. I'm not trying to be spooky and I'm not trying to be mystical. I'm just telling you my own experience with the Lord and what God did in me. I had been studying the Bible for years and teaching the Bible for years and preaching the Bible for years. I thought I knew the Bible. I taught classes on how to study the Bible. And you know what happened to me in those months? This book became a new book to me. I can't explain it any other way. I, it's always been a living book. It lives and abides forever. But suddenly, it started living in me. I would come to the Scriptures each day, and suddenly God was showing me things that I had read hundreds of times. But now it took on new meaning. You know what God was doing? God was confirming His will with His Word. I'm looking at a whole bunch of people right now trying to find God's way. Who are you going to marry? What are you going to do with your life? You graduate, how many are you going to graduate this year? If Jesus tears is coming, you pass. Would you raise your hand big and high? Congratulations. So what's the next step? Somebody said, i got to figure it out. No, you don't have to figure it out. God's already got it figured out. All you've got to do is find God's way. How do you find God's way? 
This is not an oversimplification. This is the, the simplicity that is in Christ. If you will live in the Word of God, God will guide and order your step every day. In fact, look down to verse number 105, the beginning of the next section. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Notice the difference between feet and path. Feet is where you are. Path is where you're going. God says, if you'll let me through my word, I'll show you where you are, but I'll show you where to go next. And, and for the record, he will not show you all at once. Sorry. He will show you one step at a time. You know how we want to know the will of God? We want it to come like a syllabus. How many of you know what that dirty word means? Yes. Now, theoretically, teachers, the syllabus means this is all the requirements and everything we're going to cover. And how many of you know that doesn't work perfectly? Amen to that. And we want the Word of God to drop out of heaven like a syllabus and God say, all right, there it is. Review it and let me know what you think. I'm sorry, God didn't operate that way. The will of God never comes like a syllabus. It unrolls like a scroll. You ever see a scroll? You have to unroll a little bit of it and read that and unroll some more and read that and unroll some more and read that. And you know why? Because only as you live that way, seeking God every day in His Word, are you truly living the faith life. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And if you want direction for your life, if you want to know God's way and God's will for you, then you better get in the book. I, I marvel. Everywhere I go, I have people say to me, Preacher, would you please pray? I'm trying to find the will of God. And I say, Of course, let's pray now. And then I always ask them this question. Tell me about your devotional life. And almost without exception, people say, well, you know, I really, I really have been kind of weak on that lately. I really have kind of neglected that a little bit. I let me just tell you, no preacher on earth and no professor in any college in the world can help you find the will of God if you're not serious enough about getting in the Word of God for yourself every day. There is the meditation on the Word. There is the direction of the Word. Oh, but then... Let's end on a really positive one, shall we? Number three, there is the satisfaction in the Word. Notice what he says in verse number 103. How sweet. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. By the way, did you see the three exclamation points in the section? This is interesting. In verse number one, oh, how love I thy law, exclamation point. Verse 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, exclamation point. Yea, sweeter than honey in my mouth, exclamation point. You can tell a lot about a person by what they get excited about. How excited are you about the word of God? Pardon me. When was the last time you said to a roommate, i got to show you what God showed me today? When was the last time you called somebody and said, i got to tell you what God told me today through his word? I'm telling you, when the word of God gets really precious to you, you won't want to keep it to yourself because you will have found the greatest satisfaction by meeting God in the Bible. Psalm 19, verse 10 says, Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. You know one of the dangers in life is? You lose your idealism. <clears throat> Not all that's bad. When you're young, <clears throat> you are very idealistic. And you have certain ideas about the way it's going to be. And you get disappointed. I'm just being blunt with you. People let you down. Circumstances don't turn out. You let yourself down. I mean, it's just the way it works. And I'm going to tell you, one of the greatest challenges is not getting cynical as you get older. I'm speaking from experience at this juncture on my journey, 45 years of age. I'm learning something that the idealism of youth, some of that has passed away. I don't want to lose the youthful heart and tenderness towards the Lord, but some of that's passed away. And if you're not careful, you can become downright sour. You ever met any sour old people, I just wonder? I'm going to tell you how to keep from being a sour old person. Stay in the Word of God every day. Because only the Word can keep you sweet. 
You know who the most enthusiastic people on earth ought to be? The people that know God. In fact, the very word enthusiasm, entheos, is rooted in a word that means filled with God. Look, if you're full of God and you're full of God's word, then you're not going to be fussing all the time, fighting all the time, ugly all the time. No, no, you get the sweetness of God on the inside, and I tell you on the authority of the Bible, somewhere it's going to come out on you. It's like the measles. It breaks out on you every now and then. You know what I mean? So you get the word in you, and suddenly the word begins to bring this deep, settled satisfaction that only God can bring. Are you seeing how everything you need is in the Word? Look at the last verse again, verse 104. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. On one hand there's provision, and on the other hand there's protection. God says, I'm going to give you everything you need. You'll understand. God says, I'll help you understand. And on the other side, I'm going to keep you from every false way. What a God we serve. No wonder Peter said, we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. I'm going to tell you that as an evangelist, I've come to a deepened conviction in the sufficiency of the Word of God. Preaching in different places every week of my life, many times to people I've never seen before, have no idea what the needs are. You know what I've learned? I don't have to have a good sermon. Whew. I don't have to impress you. All I have to do is give people the Word of God. And the most amazing thing happens. God works through his word. And what's true on a platform is true in a personal life. What's true in ministry is true in your daily walk with Jesus. Young man, young lady, you better learn something about the sufficiency of the word of God. You are not enough, but God is. And God will give you what you need through his word. I was pondering this the other day. You ever wonder why Psalm 119 is set up like it is? You still got your Bible open? Scan through it just a second. Just start at verse 1 and just turn the pages. You'll have to turn several of them because it's a long psalm. But you see how it's divided up in these eight-verse sections, 22 sections? You see the little, little symbols above each section? How many of you see what I'm talking about? That's the Hebrew alphabet. In seminary, we had to take Hebrew. I took Hebrew. It didn't all take on me, but I took enough of it to understand a little bit. And I remember the Hebrew alphabet. What you're looking at right there is the Hebrew alphabet. And somebody says, well, that's nice. And somebody said, that's a good memory device. I think it was used as a Hebrew acrostic as a memory device. But I think there's more than that. Listen to me with your heart just a minute. I think there's a message in the method. See, God doesn't do anything by accident. Nothing in your Bible is there for filler. And though the chapter and verse divisions are not inspired, these sections are inspired. This is the way God gave it when God gave his word. So why would God give it this way? Not too far away, you may see a garage, and they call it A to Z garage. What does that mean? Theoretically, it means the guy who runs it says, I can fix anything. You see a convenience store or a grocery, and they call it A to Z grocery. What does that mean? Whatever you need, we carry it. We got it here. It's the idea of completeness. Oh, oh, I love this. When God gives this Hebrew alphabet literally from A to Z, what is he saying? And it's all about the Bible. What is he saying? He's saying everything you need is found in the all-sufficient Word of God. By the way, in the New Testament, one of Jesus' names was what? He is the Alpha and the Omega, first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. Oh, this is really good. Look, please. Everything you need is found in the written Word, and everything you need is found in the living Word. 
So if you've got Jesus and you got the Bible, you got everything you need to live a victorious Christian life. To love what you ought to love and hate what you ought to hate. George Weisert was a martyr, at least he was going to be. Arrested for preaching the gospel and they took him to the scaffold. And they threatened him with his life and he refused to recant. And they said to George Weisert, we're going to kill you here on this scaffold. And he said, all right. And those wicked religious people said, we're going to let you choose one final psalm to be read before we kill you. What psalm would you like read? George Weiser said, Psalm 119. That's a very wise man, wouldn't you say? And do you know that two-thirds, they started reading it, and two-thirds of the way through Psalm 119, a messenger arrived with a pardon in his hand for George Weiser, and he was set free. I'm glad he didn't choose Psalm 23. Aren't you glad he didn't choose Psalm 23? When I read that little humorous story, I thought to myself, I wonder if all of us just lived in Psalm 119 for a little while and learn to love the Bible again, if somewhere in that God wouldn't send a message that is all sufficient just for us, just exactly what we need to love what we ought to love and hate what we ought to hate. Oh, Lord, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. May it be this day, Lord, day and night, may we meditate in it. Thank you for the all-sufficient word of the living God. Help us love it like we ought to love it and love you more because of it. And teach us to hate and refrain from those things that you hate. Lord, I pray for every student, for every staff member, every faculty member, and for this preacher that this day you will put in us a fresh love and hunger for the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can pray for you in some definite way, please contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. We hope you will share the message with others who may also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, please visit Dr. Scott Pauley's YouTube channel. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day, and we want to encourage you to be faithful to attend a Bible preaching church in your area this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Pulpit. And don't miss Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday.